everybody. It is an absolute pleasure to be inside your ears. I am Emerson Latzia. Celia Godwin is here, but we are not alone. We have a Boston legend joining us today. Straight up legend. Oh yeah, by the way, this is the After Hours podcast. I completely buried the lead there. I mean, you probably should let people know at least what they're listening to since we're in their ear holes. But yeah, our guest today, he's the only person to handle play-by-play for five of the major sports teams in Boston. He's host of everything Bruins-related on Nesson, author of two books, a proud family man, and he's the guy who said he'll do us a solid by hosting After Hours tonight after he's done with the Bruins. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) It's Dale Arnold. He just came back from the dentist. How's the mouth feeling? Ew. Oh, piece of cake. Yeah. No, just had the crown put in. You know, that part, the, the, the new crown is easy. It, it was, you know, taking the old one out, that was a pain in the butt. No Novocaine today, Emerson, because I wanted to be cogent and be able to talk to you. Well, now, wait a minute. Help <laughs> me out here. Help me out, you guys. So sometimes people like gather together like this and like talk sports and stuff. What is this weird world of which you speak? I don't even know where I am right now, dude. I have no idea. Emerson I'm just happy that like from a bender right now. <laughs> I'm just happy your happy your face isn't like just drooping. <laughs> I mean, you might. Can you imagine doing a show with half your face numb. Could you do that's that? That's why I didn't that's why I didn't do the Novocaine this morning. Oh, that would have worn off by lunch, man. You had yourself a hell of a morning, then you get all fired back up for the show tonight piece of cake and we go to the garden <laughs> it's it's military appreciation night normally one of my favorite nights of the whole year in in the past for military appreciation night we've always had members of the various branches of the military lined up around us i feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof when i'm doing the show on those days oh yeah but i i don't know if they're going to be in the in, in around us so it, it may not be the same for us tonight ah, i mean a lot of things haven't been the same this year but we're slowly and surely getting back to healthy all these vaccinations and fans back in the stands so it's it's looking up here but yeah the bees are back in action tonight which means you are back in action and, and your face will be working properly to harass no <laughs> is likely to make his return i mean he's only played one period of hockey since march 7th so if he does in fact get the start tonight you know nothing comes comes out of the blue here what are you expecting out of him in a game when he's been out for so long with injuries Hopefully more than 20 minutes, uh, yeah. which is he, he missed six games, came back in on March 25th, lasted 20 minutes, left again and then missed the next 10 games. Uh, you know, the Bruins are are very obtuse about this stuff. It's a quote unquote lower body injury or an upper body injury. When we show him on camera going off the ice, holding his lower back, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that might have been what was bothering him. Uh, and yeah, you know, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, tell tales out of school here. But with that stuff, it can be a little wonky. And, you know, you never quite know, which is, I think, what they discovered on March 25th. Uh, he's been skating for a while now. He's been taking shots for a while now. Uh, I'd like to think that, you know, we're going to see the Tuka Rask of old. They're going to need him because they've got the New York Islanders the next two nights. And that the New York Islanders are the Bruins kryptonite. Dude, I was going to ask you how important you think Tuca is to Boston's cup chances because talking to Sammy P the other day, he said odds makers in Vegas shorten their Stanley Cup odds because of the news of Tuca coming back, not so much the additions at the trade deadline. 
He's a huge difference maker, obviously. You know, he's their number one goaltender. He was a Vezina Trophy finalist last year. Uh, he was having a very good year this year up until the injury thing. Now, this is one of those weird situations where, you know, the compressed schedule, the 56 games, all of that stuff, and then it got compressed even more because of the COVID shutdowns. And the Bruins were very concerned about managing Tuka's minutes and games, and that's why Yaroslav Halak was so important. In a weird sort of way, what has happened here may ultimately benefit the Bruins, believe it or not. Okay. Um, he, well, he's going to be fresher when, they, when we get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. He's likely going to be fresher than he's ever been. Uh, you know, they, they have managed his minutes through no effort of their own uh, because of this injury. Assuming he's healthy, assuming that the upper body injury or lower body injury mm -hmm. is okay, this may ultimately end up helping them a bit. Yeah, it might be literally a blessing in disguise. Obviously, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. No. But if that means he's getting some rest and then he's saving himself up, if the rest of the guys can hold it down. I mean, Yarrow before he got COVID. And then you have the two rookies and Dan Blatter and Jeremy Swayman. I, I've been impressed with those guys. What are your thoughts on those two? I like them both. Uh, I mean, I have been of the opinion that Swayman is the guy that they think is the goaltender of the future. No disrespect meant to Dan Vladar. Uh, you know, Swayman was the Mike Richter award winner, is the best goaltender in college hockey. He was the Hockey East player of the year. I think they've always kind of had it in the back of their minds that this is when, when the Tuka Rask era is over, the Jeremy Swayman era begins. And I've seen nothing that would dissuade me from that. And, and I love Vladar as well. I love his story. I love how, how competitive he is. Uh, it's easy for me to foresee in the next couple of years that you maybe have a Swayman-Vladar goaltender combination that you'll feel very good about in the same way you feel good about Rask and Halak as your goaltender combination. Uh, they think that that position is very solid going forward, and everything I've seen so far, I think they're right. Hey, can uh, the Bruins help Taylor Hall like rebuild his confidence? Yeah, you hope so. The, the thing that I, I think that jumped out at me Tuesday night, and, you know, sometimes we forget about this stuff. I brought it up in the postgame show. Because the Sabres knew they were going to trade him, uh, they intelligently made him a healthy scratch for a while. He hadn't played in a game in 10 days when he played Tuesday night against the Sabres. And, you know, there's a little rust. He certainly looked better in the third period than he did in the first period. My guess is you know, he, got, he had a good practice in yesterday. I, I assume he's on the ice for the pregame skate. Uh, you know, I think he'll, he'll just feel more into the flow of the game. Look, he's got a great centerman. Uh, he's got a pass-first center in, in David Krejci who will get him the puck when and where he needs it. Uh, I think that that confidence boost that you're talking about, Emerson, could come just in the form of David Krejci, who's looking better and better here lately as well. Yeah, feeding him helping him get that confidence back because two goals so far this season and his time with before coming to the Bruins with the Sabres, that's not what you need um, in order to uh, feel good about yourself playing hockey right now. So hopefully that confidence will come. Um, what about the guy that likes to eat hamburgers off the ice? Uh, Curtis Lazar. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on him? Early thoughts oh. on him? As Emerson knows, if you're hungry, you're hungry. And, you know, Just eat, man. If it's there, eat. You eat. And, and Jaffe did admit post-game the other night that he would eat a hamburger off the ice. No, yeah. disgusting. You no, know, he would. I mean, look, he would eat anything and everywhere. Yeah, that, You've yeah. seen him, Seeley. You bring stuff <laughs> into him. No, Seeley brings stuff into the green room and drops them off for me and the two analysts. Me and the two and the one analyst never see any of it. 
because Jeffy <laughs> hoovers it up every single time. He's but a freaking machine. Uh, he, That's he why he's splitting his pants, too. Well, you know, that might be connected. I don't know. As far as Lazar <laughs> is concerned, he showed up Tuesday just as advertised. A uh, high-energy, agitating, physical, fourth-line presence. The reason I, I had an idea early on that Bruins fans were going to like this guy is he was pissing off the Sabres. The team that he, the guys he were teammates with 36 hours before that. And he was getting under their skin. There was none of this, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you again. No, it was, it was you know what? I'm going to give you a little stick here. I'm going to give you a little shove there. Uh, I, I like what he brings to the table. Of the three acquisitions, mm-hmm. I thought Lazar was a sneaky good one. Yeah. I thought Mike Riley was an even more good one. Uh, this is a puck moving defenseman. And I know we're talking about Lazar right now, but I'm just saying, no, all no. Is the, is the, the, he, you know, Lazar, uh, Lazar and Riley are understated types of guys. Taylor Hall's the big name. If you go back to the Bruins cup winning year in uh, 2011, you know, when the Bruins went out and acquired like Rich Peverly, and there were a lot of Bruins fans going, Who? like what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What? And he ended up being crucial and critical. Uh, you know, when, when they got Thomas Caberlet, I, I don't think people understood what a role he was going to play, and he did. Uh, I think Lazar and and Riley are are critical, crucial parts. Riley, especially left shot defenseman, moves the puck. He had 19 assists in 40 games this year for Ottawa after a pretty slow start and some conflicts with DJ Smith, his coach up there. I like all three acquisitions. Hall's going to get all the publicity and all the the, the attention. The other two are going to be crucial, I think. Yeah, and, and uh, David Pasternak. You want to talk about a guy who gets, like, all the attention, but right now I, I, maybe a little bit for the wrong reasons in a, in a scoring slump, 10 points, 16 games. Like, what's been his issue right now, Dale? Boy, you know, Emerson, it's so hard for me to figure out. I'm going to I'm gonna go under the assumption that he's healthy, okay? okay. Uh, that, he's, that he's – and, you know, maybe everybody's playing with something at this stage of the season, but I'm going to start with the assumption that he's healthy. He hasn't seen the same guy – emotionally you know the same uh joy of life kind of player that we've seen and part of that is frustration you can tell that he's frustrated we watch his body language now that we're back in the garden we can really because you can watch him off the ice you can see him as he gets to the bench area um he's frustrated and i think that's probably affected how he acts out there the the, the attitude, as I said the other night, what he needs is for a goal to bounce off his ass and end up in the back of the net. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, here we go. And, you know, oftentimes when hockey players are in slumps, it's some weird puck hits him in the elbow and ends up going past the goalie, whatever that's it takes. That's all you have to do is, is kind of break the string here. He's got two great players with him. Uh, I, I, the old phrase in baseball is, you know, he is what the back of the baseball card says he is. David Pasternak is what we think he is. You know, he tied for the goal scoring lead with Alex Ovechkin last year. We know what he is. We know what kind of player he is. He's just, you know, wandering in the woods here a little bit right now, but he'll find his way out. Uh, Craig Smith's been red hot. My my God, ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Which is good. Um, You know, I, now you guys, you help me out here, Emerson, because you're the pretty boy. Of, of this whole group here. So, so help me out here. Do you think you'd get a plate made that, you know, when you're doing interviews and stuff, you'd, you wouldn't have that big gap there where you had a couple of teeth knocked out. I mean, he, he no, does I think look like hockey player real. 101, doesn't he? 
it's real, man. You know what I mean? Like he wants to present himself as he actually is. And you know what? I've never met a man who's more beautiful with. The, I was going to say, old... that's a beautiful man with no front teeth. <laughs> He's a good looking guy. I, I just thought, you know, when you're on the ice, you don't want to, you want the gap there. You want people thinking you will be dripping blood by the end of the night. <laughs> but when you're sitting down doing a one-on-one with Sophia, I don't know. I just think, all right, let's stick the plate in there sometime. <laughs> something. Put something in there to fill that ginormous gap in yeah. his smile. But he uh, smiles, and I'm like, you're still beautiful to me, buddy. Yep. I love it. The toothless grin. Uh, Kevin Miller, <laughs> I like his fist. Oh, let's go, bro. You know, I, I tweeted about this the other night because I can remember when he was first coming here as a member of the Bruins, there were some Bruins fans who thought, why is he out there? Why are they playing him? You know, why are they re-signing him? Uh, and the fact of the matter is, he brings an intangible that you, you just can't build. You can't, you can't manufacture. He is a man's man. He is a team leader. His teammates love him. And the yeah. minute he stepped on the ice this year for the first time, it was against the Devils. And, and he went after Miles Wood, and it was like, we're not taking any more of your crap. This is over with. I mean, I see him snarling at guys. Maybe the nicest guy on the planet off the ice, Very by nice. the way. Yeah. He's a great guy, wonderful, soft-spoken guy. It, it, it reminds me of Adam McQuaid in that regard. Okay. Adam McQuaid, very soft-spoken gentle giant type of guy they drop the pocket he becomes beast mode and that's yeah. what kevin miller is and he's he's built like a brick you know what house i mean he, yeah, is, he is he is yeah jacked. Dude, he looks like he is chiseled out of granite like that yeah. one video where he got, he got the uh, yeah. like the game puck earlier this year and his like return you thought you were looking in a mirror didn't you Dude, I definitely did 100%, except I am super soft and I would not be able to like fight anybody like this dude. Like he killed a guy the other night. And I, I guess I give Tage Thompson credit for, for trying, if not okay. brains, uh, you know, and Thompson thought he had to come to his teammates defense and good for him. I mean, I, I really yeah. do respect that. His dad, Brent Thompson, used to be a legit hockey tough guy 300 penalty minute guy in the american hockey league his dad brent was a, a a tough guy he didn't pass that gene down to tage because tage got into a scrap with kevin miller and ended up taking five for receiving <laughs> brutal i loved it I, I i'm all about it i, I love to see the, the fist flying I, I really do i really really do it actually gets the entire newsroom like fired up, like especially when it's like Miller out there. And like the other night, oh my God, when Tage hit the ice, we're just like, oh, rest in peace, big dude. Like it was nice. You had a good run, bro. I do think, you know, look, Buffalo probably doesn't have the personnel to be able to, to answer some of the physical stuff. The Bruins are not, you know, the biggest, toughest, meanest hockey team in, in the NHL. But they had fights the other night from Kevin, who might be among the meanest, toughest hockey players in the NHL. And Nick Ritchie, who's like a man among boys, just size wise. And, you know, when they do bring it, I think it ups their game a bit, too. Dude, um, speaking of, of fighting, how about Milan Lucic in his 1000th game the other night decided to exchange some hand sandwiches, had blood coming from his face. Nobody makes him bleed his own blood. What is your favorite story with him? Yeah, when I uh, 
and Celie mentioned, you know, that I've written two books. Thank you, Celie. Uh, the second book comes out October 26th. It's Sean exactly. biography. Yeah. And, I was going to mention that too. Yeah. And I, I talked with a, well, <laughs> I talked with a lot of, of Sean's former teammates and, you know, a lot of people around the, the hockey world. And one of the guys I spent a long time on the phone with was, was Milan. And he loves Sean Thornton. But the first thing that Luch brought up was the Bruce brothers. And it was a, a poster that the Bruins put out of Milan Lucic and Sean Thornton dressed in suits and ties. And, you know, they were the Bruce brothers. <laughs> yeah. And I think of those guys, but the, the biggest Luch memory for me is when he big rigged Ryan Miller, uh, who was the goaltender for the Buffalo Sabres. And Luch came charging in. Miller came out to the face off dot to play the puck. And Luch just roofed him. <laughs> and I mean, he was not going to slow down. He was not going to try to avoid. You're out here. This is my area. I'm going to kill you. And he just steamrolled him. And then you could see the members of the Buffalo Sabres saying, I think we need to respond to this, but I don't think I want to. Because <laughs> no. that is a beast over there. He is thick and strong. And uh, I, I can almost guarantee you that he intentionally said in my 1,000th game, I'm yeah. going to fight somebody. Now he yeah, did the goal for the Gordie Howe. He was going yeah, he for missed the Gordie Howe hat trick. He didn't get the goal, right? No, he didn't. He was going for it, but he he he, did, he got the assist, but and he got the fight, obviously. Yeah, he's like, let he, me get the fight out of the goal. way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he needed that goal. They ended up winning that game, I think, three yeah. two in overtime too against the Leafs. But um, you since we're talking about it, your second book about to come out here. Um, how long was that in the works? How how much work went into that one? I'll tell you what's funny, a, a funny story about it. And we, you know, we haven't even begun the publicity stuff. So much of this stuff hasn't been told yet. Ooh. Sean and I signed the contract for the book. Uh, it was like January 7th, uh, a year ago, January, like weeks before the pandemic hit. And the whole idea was that Sean and I were going to get together. He was going to come up here. I was going to go down to Florida. You know, we were going to talk and work this thing through and get the material put together. And then the pandemic shut everything down, literally everything. Um, I haven't seen him in a couple of years, face to face. We wrote a book together. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. <laughs> what it meant was hundreds of hours of recordings on the phone and back and forth. And all of the people that I talked to who were included in the book as well, uh, I couldn't visit with any of them. I mean, Tuka Rask wrote the foreword for the book. I haven't seen him in person, you know, Patrice Bergeron, uh, Zdeno Chara, all these other guys that I talked to, Mark Recchi, it was all remotely, it was all at a distance. Uh, the, the big thing that I think Bruins fans especially will like is, and you probably know this already, Sean Thornton is fearless. I mean, he will say what he thinks. And the most, as he always said to me, the Brooks Orpic situation, was what he was gonna to take to his effing grave, is what he said. Uh, you know, he got suspended for 15 games for the Orpic hit. He texted me one day and he said, hey, listen, here's Brooks Orpic's number. Give him a call. I texted him, told him, tell the truth. Say what you wanna say. Don't worry about offending me. And we've got Brooks Orpic in the book talking about what Sean Thornton did to him and what the after effects were and, and what, it, what happened because Thornton is the one who said, if we're going to do this, we're going to say stuff. And boy, does he ever. 
Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm so looking forward to this again. Can you say when, when that comes out so people can have, have an idea? Yep. It, you can order it now on Amazon and in Canada, I forget the, the company in Canada, uh, but it's uh, the published date is October 26th. Um, you know, they're, they're in the process of producing it now and typesetting and all of that stuff. Uh, I'm proud of it because it required a lot more work than either of us expected but I'm proud of it more because I think hockey fans are going to love this guy's story. He is, yeah. he is a piece of work. I love how, it. I'm looking forward to it. How proud are you of the three plus decades that you have spent in radio? And I know you decided to, you know, walk away and retire here. What about a month or, or so ago? I mean, you're, I was, you know, people may maybe think I was kidding off the top of this podcast, but you are a legend here in this market, dude. Well, thank you. It's nice of you to say it. The irony here is, you know, I decided it was time to, to kind of end the radio end of it at a time when the TV end of it has never been busier in my life. Right. Uh, just this week on Nesson, I worked Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Grind. I mean, that's just the Nesson part. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that I'm not, you know, adding four hours of radio five days a week into that mix is fine by me. Um, I, I was proud of the time that I spent there. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I enjoyed my time doing it, but it became more of a grind for the last year or two. And I felt in the end, I felt like I was, I, I had lost some of my love for doing sports talk radio. And I felt like I was doing it for a paycheck more than I was for a, a passion for, for the yeah. job. And that wasn't fair to my employers. It wasn't fair to the listeners. It wasn't fair to my family. And I just decided, you know, it, it was time to, to, to go to one full-time job instead of two. That's the family end of it here. Um, you know, I, I, I had a daughter who got married two weeks ago. I've got yeah, another daughter. Yeah, the photos were beautiful, by the way. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I have another daughter getting married in August. Um, so it's, it's hectic enough right now. Uh, one job is enough right now. And... Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm proud of the time that I spent there. Uh, I was definitely ready for it to end. I mean, to do it for three decades, people struggle to stay in a job <laughs> for two years and you did it for three plus decades. I mean, that's, well, hell, yeah. that's incredible stuff. And especially like in this business too, man, yeah. like this business will chew you up and, and spit you out. They'll throw someone in who's, you know, who's younger and, and cheaper than you in a heartbeat, mm -hmm. but you've been, like, I think it speaks volumes for the fact that you've lasted uh, so long, Dale. So, like, good for you, man. Like, cheers. Well, I got fired there once uh, about 10 years <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? It's like you come back, though. You it's like you, you're like, you're the phoenix, well, bro. You rise from I, the ashes. Well, it's funny because I got fired. Um, I accepted uh, a weekend fill-in type thing because I had to feed my family and pay my bills. Mm -hmm. um, and it was Nesson who saved me. Uh, Catherine Tappan was hosting the Bruins games, left to go to the NHL network. She texted me and said, listen, you got to call Sean McGrail now, today. I'm leaving. It hasn't been announced, but you have to have this job. Uh, I called Sean. I went in and visited with him. We sat in his office. He laid it all out. He, he said, this is the job. This is what we're willing to pay. I'm sure you'd like to go home and talk this over with your wife. And I stood up and stuck out my hand. I said, no. I said, we're good. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and he allowed me to stay in the market. And ultimately, I ended up going back to EEI on a full-time basis. But if it wasn't for Sean McGrail and Nesson, 
I don't know where I would have been, but it probably wouldn't be here. Yeah. Timing and just like how all that stuff ends up working out because in this business, I mean, especially when you're coming towards the end of a contract, you don't know what's going on. You have your family. Where am I going to live? How am I going to afford to feed myself, my family? I mean, it's a stressful time I, in this industry because, you know, just being on contracts is not easy. Um, it's yeah, awful. we had to sell our house, which was the hardest part. Um, that's the part that, that broke my wife's heart. Now, at this stage of our lives, we would have been out of it anyway. You know, we don't have any kids left at home and you know, five bedrooms and two acres was probably more than we need now, but we wouldn't have sold it when we did. And, you know, it's things like that, that are, are part of life, especially part of life in this business, as you guys know, Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Now, the yeah. beauty of it is the people who fired me all got fired and I got rehired. So no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, it's not the beauty. It's the irony. <laughs> um, you just, you just shared about one of your daughters getting married. Um, I mean, you have a very special family, Dale, and you and I have talked Thanks. a little bit about this off, off camera. Um, adoption, that's a very big part of your life. Can you share yeah. how that became such a big part of your life? My wife and I were an infertile couple uh, for a long time. Uh, and we went through everything, you know, fertility pills and operations and, and everything you could do. And we couldn't conceive a child. Um, we, we got a phone call from a, a family friend, an attorney, who uh, offered us an opportunity. He had a, a client who was going to give up a, a newborn for adoption. Um, we soul searched and, and ultimately said yes and, and adopted my son. And then five years later, we got another phone call saying, okay, there's another opportunity here. And and we jumped at the chance. We had two adopted kids. We gave up on the whole fertility thing. We don't care anymore. We've got a boy, we've got a girl, we've got a family. It wasn't meant to be biologically, but we've got this great family, we're good. And then at the age of 40, they said, hmm, you're not infertile anymore. Uh, we can't tell you why. Well, I can tell you why, but I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> I was you know, like, go on. <laughs> We can't explain medically how this happened, but, uh, and, and all of a sudden Brianna was born and, uh, it was great. It was, it was our little miracle. You hear about that a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe it's, it's the pressures off and you stop worrying about it and you stop thinking about it. Um, so we ended up with three great kids, uh, two are adopted. One is biological, two are now married. The other one will be this summer. And, uh, and I, I love my family dearly and, and I love everything about how we all were able to get together. Man, they got you and Razor <laughs> like just battling for who's gonna have the most kids over at No, Nelson. I'm done. No, I'm out of the business. So. <laughs> I don't know, big guy. No, no, I and then you, promise you I'm out of the business. I will happily hand the trophy on to Andrew Raycroft. <laughs> oh my God, thanks, Garrett. That is a flex right there. <laughs> it happened to be sitting on the desk here. What can I tell you? Oh, cool. I can go grab my wife's now. <laughs> it's his wife. It's not even his. Um, I, I absolutely love that story, though, Dale. Uh, adoption is something that I hope to do in, in, in my future. Um, but isn't it wild to look back and, and when you see your three grown children to be like, wow, this all yeah. happened? Like, I, I, how could you have ever envisioned that? Well, the quick story I'll tell you is that when uh, when we adopted my my daughter, the second child, um, 
the, the attorney called and said, there was a little girl born this morning. If you're interested, you can adopt her, but you've got 30 minutes to tell us. And then we go to the next name on the list. Oh, wow. Damn. So yeah. was at work, my wife called me at work and said, what do we do? What do we do? And I said, tell them yes. So now we had to explain to my five-year-old. Yeah, no, no, straight no. Up we yes. didn't. So then we had to explain to my five-year-old son that he had a sister. And so we tried, we sat him down and we explained, okay, you're, you've got a baby sister now. And he got real quiet and he says, what's her name? And we said, uh, we're thinking her name's Michaela. And he got real quiet for a minute and he said, I really like Alicia. Aww. And so oh. I said to my wife, he didn't come up with one of the names of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He didn't uh -huh. offer, you know, Michelangelo or Raphael or something. Well, he could have said April, you know, he who's the reporter. <laughs> so I, I said to my wife, I said, you know what? Let's let him name her. Oh. And we did. And so my five-year-old son named his sister and, and that's how Alicia came <laughs> to me. Freaking love this story. That I is that is amazing. So much. It's so good. Yeah, um, we let... Uh, we, we let Winnie pick out Georgie's name, you know, Did you? dogs. Yeah. Well, and so it I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. We're the exact same person. We've been to the same stuff. Yeah. Except I don't wear my hats backwards. <laughs> oh, my bad, dad. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, is, is wearing a hat backwards still cool? I don't have yes. a hat in here. But I, there but you I go. Oh. I don't have a hat. Hey, so. now you can fight Kevin Miller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need a whole suit of armor before I'd even think about that. For sure. Oh my goodness. Uh Dale, we really appreciate the time. I, I yeah, buddy. everything, your entire story is incredible. It's it's been a pleasure to work alongside you. Um, the tosses from your show to our show are probably one of my favorite parts of the show, just because you never know what to expect, especially with, with this guy over here. Well, it's mainly uh, Andrew thanks, criticizing Sam. Emerson's fashion choices. That's right. Which tonight, since he uh, always gives me crap when I don't wear a collar, I will not be wearing a collar tonight. I'm going to wear a well, T-shirt again. Good news for it's you. Andrew's not on tonight. Oh, he's not? Well, he's there a he's huge back. fan of After Hours, so he'll, he'll probably text me. Oh, I'm sure he will. Yeah. <laughs> Dale, uh, again, thank you so much. It was awesome to have you on the podcast. Seriously, thank you. Love you guys. See ya, Love Dale. you too, buddy. See ya. Emerson, wrap this baby up. All right, man. Well, that is it. What was that? Episode uh, 45. 45. Good for us. baby. So next week, what? We're hitting our one-year anniversary, I think. Next around week there. is our one-year anniversary. We're one years old. Let's epic go, dude. We lost okay, this cool. thing in the middle of a pandemic. I know. And, because I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> but we're not going to have any guests next week. All right. We're just going to open up to each other, right? to each other. We're, we're, we're going <laughs> to interview each other. So this might get a little bit weird. <laughs> oh, it's going to get super weird, but that's why it's going to be a must listen. So I'll see you uh, next week or I'll see you tonight on the show. I'll see you on the show. We'll see everybody that's listening to this podcast after hours of the podcast. We will see you guys next week.